Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man on man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, here again with my filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton. Help me. <laughs> you brought that on yourself, remember? You chose. Well, yeah, I did, I did, but I'm going to roll with it now. So, yeah. Someone said we had great camaraderie, so I'm going to take that down to the master slave relationship. Yeah, so. Someone should always be dominant in the relationship is what I found. It always like adds to the pleasure. We'll say it's all about you, Jared. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's an, a, another true crime podcast today. Uh, and it is the first uh, case where we're covering a story that's still ongoing and there are still suspects and there's still an investigation. So, Sam, what's our number one priority today? To say allegedly at all times. To not get sued. That's yes. The I've actually been worried about this for like the last two weeks. So yeah. I think it'll be. So it's important to note that this is an ongoing investigation. And all we're stating today is what's already out there in the media. Where, of course, as you would have seen from the title, talking about the death of Stuart Lubbock. Number four. Five months. Five months. Five months. On the 31st of March 2001, a 31-year-old father of two, Stuart Lubbock, was reported dead in the swimming pool of a UK television personality, Michael Barrymore. His real name was Michael Parker. Michael Barrymore is like the equivalent of like Burton Newton. In the UK. Like, he's like a huge personality. Yeah. Everybody loves him. Everybody knows him. And what's an American... Because we have American listeners. What's an American equivalent? Uh, uh, oh, no. 
Dick Van Dyke? Whoopi Goldberg. She's on the view, okay? Okay, yeah, maybe. It is. It's important to note that, that half the reason that this case gets so much attention is because he is a media star, Michael Barrymore. He um, appeared on a number of UK game shows, including, I don't know any of these ones, Strike It Lucky, My Kind of People, My Kind of Music, and The Kids Say the Funniest Things. I know the last one. I know none of them, but in recent times, he's appeared on Celebrity Big Brother, which I am aware of. Oh, another thing that we've got to mention is that he's in the movie Spice World. Right now. He's a dance teacher, Mr. Step. That is correct. I'm going to show you my port de bras, although that won't apply to you. Stuart Lubbock, the man that was found in Barrymore's pool, um, was a meat factory worker um, from Harlow, Essex. He was a father of two and I believe partnered to a woman at the time of his death or at least or separated from the mother or something like that. He, he was ostensibly a heterosexual man. Yeah, I know, I know his ex-wife has had a lot to say about the case, but I'm not sure if, they was, if he was married to another woman at the time of his death and she just didn't want to talk about it. At least to, to everyone that knew Stuart Lubbock, he was a heterosexual man, although, yeah. you know, people live diverse lives and you never quite know. Um, family and friends described Lubbock as a bubbly partygoer and he did seem to enjoy partying. He, he met Michael Barrymore at the Millennial Nightclub in Essex on the night of the 30th of March. All we know really about that night is that they that um, that Lubbock partied with Barrymore along with Barrymore's ex-boyfriend Jonathan Kenny and a friend Justin Merritt. Uh, they kept going until the early morning where they returned to Barrymore's um, uh, home. Lots of substances were taken at the time, um, lots of alcohol, lots of cocaine, um, lots yeah. of MDMA. We- A bit of background on Michael Barrymore beyond being just a celebrity. There were persistent rumours about Barrymore's sexuality. He he was married to a woman named uh, Cheryl Coughlin from 1976 to 1977. Uh, It's important to know at this stage that Coughlin had claimed in her autobiography that Barrymore uh, was an alcoholic and was also abusive to her, although Barrymore has um, denied those allegations. Rather unfortunate for his wife at the time, Barrymore, in a drunken interview on a radio show, announced that he was gay whilst he was still with his wife. Obviously, that eventually led to them separating. They actually stayed together until 97, like two years after the announcement. I guess that was probably just working out assets and stuff like that. I guess they're both rich. Who knows? And, and look, we're only kind of talking about his his coming out and um, his sexuality because it is relevant to the story, of course. Um, and in particular, I think his abuse of substances and at least the allegations of abuse um, arising from those substances may play a role here. When at Barrymore's home, one witness noted that Barrymore was making advances towards Lubbock um, and Lubbock was rejecting him because he was straight. Um, we don't, we don't, that's only one witness statement and many other people at the party said that they didn't notice any advances being made. And then there, there's like a second witness, I guess, um, to my knowledge as well, 
Um, Barrymore's driver actually said that Barrymore, whilst being driven to the party where everything went down, um, was with Stuart and said that, yeah, he was planning on, you know, getting lucky with Stuart tonight. So I guess that's like a second with a second person corroborating that Barrymore was definitely sexually interested in Stuart Lubbock. According to Michael Barrymore and the people at the party, at about four hours into being at Barrymore's place, uh, Michael Barrymore went out to smoke a joint and found Lubbock motionless in the pool. Lubbock was wearing nothing but boxes at the time of his death. Strangely, and this is one of the, the reasons why police were initially suspicious of Barrymore, Barrymore didn't help uh, get Lubbock out of the pool. In fact, he instructed other people to get Lubbock out of the pool and he instead rummaged through a number of drawers. He did at the time claim that the reason he didn't jump in the pool is because he couldn't swim. Um, although his ex-wife uh, says that that's not the case and that he can swim. Well, yeah, and he very quickly ran off to like a neighbor's house or something like that. He did. But yes. before the police could arrive, he left to go to his apartment, which again, police found to be suspicious behavior. Now, I have a theory, though, on why these sorts of behaviors may have happened that, that have nothing to do with uh, Lubbock's death. And it's the fact that there were a lot of drugs in that house. Um, and it could be, at least on my theory, that Barrymore, realising that there was a death in his pool, realising that police were going to attend, was hurriedly getting all the drugs out of the house before the police could get there. Yeah, which I think is a very valid theory. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think then the next day his assistant also came and took a number of things as well. Yes. So, so the initial... Um, case of Barrymore leaving the house um, and then coming back. Police, when they arrived on the scene, concluded that it was an accident um, just based on the witness uh, witness observations that he was in the pool and that um, he did probably drowned in the pool. And because of that, it wasn't treated as a crime scene and people were allowed to uh, hang around in that area. At that time, Barrymore's assistant came in and took uh, a number of items from the scene. We'll talk about what those items are in a moment because I think the significance of them only really makes sense within a certain context. Uh, during the initial autopsy, Lubbock was found to have uh, alcohol, ecstasy, and cocaine in his system at the time of death. Uh, he was three times over the legal drinking limit, so he'd, he'd had quite a few. The initial uh, pathology report said that um, he likely died of drowning, but it was unclear. In fact, the original pathologist should have taken certain histopathology samples. So histopathology is when they take bits of tissue um, out to be assessed, um, but it, he, he didn't do that. And because of that, we can't actually confirm whether or not he drowned, which we'll see in a moment raises a whole bunch of other questions. Um, one theory was that maybe the cocaine and alcohol in his system provoked a cardiac arrest and then he drowned. At this stage, I think everyone might be asking, okay, that sounds like he had a big night out and he drowned in a pool. Why are we talking about this? Why is there such suspicion associated with this death? And it's because 
Upon examination, Lubbock's body was found to have a number of um, quite severe anal injuries consistent with either a sexual assault or some sort of extreme sexual act involving a, a foreign object or fist. Um, the anus was permanently dilated, um, its margins were bruised, um, and there were lacerations throughout the anal canal. Something very rough happened at the very least. And it, it should be noted as well, because when I first read this idea of like anal injuries, I did think, look, he was drunk, maybe there was consensual anal sex that, you know, you know, we enjoy it, but things aren't meant to go up there <laughs> and you can cause some injuries. But no, at the at a subsequent coronial um, inquest, I, I found the testimony of um, Professor Jack Crane, who reviewed the, the injuries um, in his description of things. He said um, that this was not consistent with cons- consensual, consensual sex. He said, if Lubbock was conscious whilst this was taking place, he would have experienced severe pain and it's likely to have had to have been forcibly restrained. It also seems highly likely that he would have been screaming or crying in pain. Bleeding would have occurred immediately after the event and he would have been, it would have been a significant amount staining the deceased clothes and bedding. This is not the kind of injury that is that is consistent with any kind of consensual sex act, even if you know no lubricant was used or anything like that. It is not at all consistent with that. It's consistent with some sort of extreme form of penetration. It's interesting as well, in this coronial inquest, one of the pathologists also noted that an extreme form of anal injury can cause uh, almost a physiological response that could provoke cardiac arrest in itself. So outside of the drugs, outside of the, you know, the, potentially that he was throwing the pool, um, the, the injury itself could have provoked a cardiac arrest and death. Another pathologist reviewed the material and said that he noted some small hemorrhages on Lubbock's face, which could indicate strangulation. One theory that was put forward at that stage was potentially that he was drowned in the pool while someone was grabbing his neck and forcing his head under. Other pathologists reviewed uh, the case files and said, look, this doesn't seem consistent with a typical drowning death, but also we have no fucking idea what happened. That's not the technical thing that they said, but that's basically the conclusion of about, about three other pathologists who reviewed the case files. This is weird, and it, there's no clear indication in any way. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of like the thing about this case is it's also unclear. There were like eight or nine people at the party, so it's basically relied on somebody coming forward and saying what happened that nobody ever has. Well, and that that's important um, in terms of what the coroner... So the coroner um, in the inquest ended up giving an open verdict, and she said this. She said... None of the witnesses who were at the party for three hours have given to this court an explanation of how Stuart Lubbock, a previously fit 31-year-old, could have been found floating in a swimming pool at the premises with significant levels of alcohol and drugs in his system and serious anal injuries. Those witnesses have not explained or not come up with any plausible explanation as to how Stuart Lubbock was in that situation with those sorts of injuries. Yes, yeah, so which is, you know, extremely odd because, you know, nine people is a pretty intimate gathering. Um, so, you know, I guess you just got to wonder, like, why aren't people talking? Like, what's, you know, there's obviously something. This is, and, and again, I, 
there are versions or, or ways of explaining this where they're implicated because they plied him with a lot of drugs or they supplied him with the whole lot of drugs that he was, you know, he abused or that this was an extreme consensual act that went wrong or, you know, there are lots of different ways of explaining this that don't necessarily lead to a conclusion of serious criminal behaviour. Yeah. Um, but all we know is that this really strange sequence of events occurred. Previously, Sam mentioned that, that Barrymore's assistant came in and removed some things from the scene. Given the injuries that Lowick suffered, the two things that he removed from the scene that have been confirmed are a pool thermometer and a door handle. Um, and this has led to some theories that potentially this pool thermometer, and there's a photo. It, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be crassy, but it actually looks like a giant douche. Yeah, so it looks... Yeah, like it, it's like a, well, it's a probe, so you know, yeah. measuring, measuring temperature. So, and I think that that um, the theory is that that was potentially what was used in the assault, and it's consistent with the types of injuries um, that were that were made. Although, interestingly, in a subsequent hearing that was dealing with the matter, there was a witness who came forward that said that that she had heard from a friend who was a friend who was there. So you know trust that as much as you can Very reliable. um but that she had heard that that a hairbrush was used in the assault that's on the court record i don't know how much uh I mean, wait i suppose it's a kind of viable um like theory because because of like the unusual nature of the like the internal injuries like a hairbrush does have you know like it is like textured in that way where it would cause a lot of damage yeah yeah uh after at the time of the death all of the parties um that were present at the address were investigated. Um, in fact, Barrymore received a caution for cannabis possession um, at the time because they found cannabis on him. Uh, there was some initial investigation of two of the parties and whether or not they had some involvement in the death, but, but no charges were made. However, after this coronial inquest, of course, there was a lot more public attention. Um, in order to clarify some of the damning findings out of the coronial inquest, uh, Barrymore got his lawyers to request police to investigate whether Lubbock's injuries could have occurred um, post-mortem. In particular, there was this talk about maybe like a use of a, um, like an anal thermometer when he was in the hospital or something like that. Uh, all the medical um, evidence that I've seen put forward seems to contradict that it could have happened post-mortem or, or as part of um, a hospital intervention. In fact, one of the pathologists caused, uh, called that, that scenario absurd. In 2006, a very strange man, an activist, former politician and lawyer, Anthony Bennett, uh, initiated a private prosecution. It's a weird part. We have it in the Australian system as well. I think it's just a kind of common law system thing where uh, individuals can actually conduct their own private um, prosecutions of people outside of the state. I used to do it a formal application. Obviously, he was a formal lawyer, this Anthony Bennett, um, and he um, tried to charge Barrymore independently with the misuse of alcohol and drugs um, and, and being complicit on with Lubbock's death. Um, this was ultimately rejected um, by the by a district judge who reviewed what um, Bennett had put forward and said that he had insufficient evidence. 
I sh it's worth mentioning this Anthony Bennett seems like a bit of a shady guy. I know he's tried to do these sorts of private prosecutions in the past against the McCanns, the parents of Madeline oh, McCann. Yeah. He was trying to charge them for child neglect. I'm, I'm kind of getting vibes of someone who's craving some media attention, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know if this was the most... I don't know, altruistic or caring about the victim's family. I'm definitely getting a vibe that it wasn't. That's just me. He did, however, um, assist Terry Lubbock, who is Lubbock's father. Um, he, he assisted him in making a formal complaint to the police regarding the handling of the case, in particular the failure to secure the crime scene and the tampering of the crime scene. Like th Those all came out in this 2006 private prosecution. Um and ultimately, that formal complaint led to, on the June of 2007, Barry Moore, along with his ex-boyfriend, Jonathan Kenny and Justin Merritt, were all arrested in some way over Stuart Lubbock's death. They were, in, they were uh, interrogated. They undertook an interview. They... Um, I think they were trying to play each other off in terms of witness statements, but ultimately um, there, there wasn't enough evidence and they didn't end up charging any of those parties. As a result of this initial arrest, though, in 2015, Barry Moore began the process of actually suing Essex Police by saying that they had arrested him uh, without sufficient grounds. And of course, his career by 2015, after this 2000 stuff, 2007 stuff came out, his his career was over. Um, you know, the, the PR implications of all of this was terrible. I think in his lawsuit against Essex Police, he was trying to claim like every, like millions of dollars. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I think he ends up getting awarded like one dollar or something. Yeah. So ultimately, this was was not a good move by Michael Barrymore because um, so you originally. Um, uh, tried to sue for millions of dollars. The uh, court, in reviewing the clay case, made a ruling basically that, no, you would be given, if anything, just slightly more than nominal damages. So nominal damages is just like a small gesture, something like a dollar or something like that. Um, and because of that, Barry Moore uh, removed his proceedings um, and didn't end up successfully suing Essex Police. Horrible for Barrymore's reputation as well is because he was suing the police saying that they did not have um, sufficient grounds for an arrest. A lot of stuff came out in that case that would otherwise not have been able to be disclosed by the police. In particular, there were a number of um, allegations of sexual assault against Michael Barrymore that were reported to police but never actioned and no charges were laid in relation to them. Um, but these, these reports of sexual assault were canvassed in the judgment. Now, I'm not going to repeat the accusations um, for obvious legal reasons. I guess it is probably important to note that... Um... To my knowledge, all of these alleged assaults occurred before the death of Stuart Lovett. Yes. And it's also worth noting as well that any high-profile person, you are like, like opening yourself up to the potential of people making uh, fictitious complaints against you just by being a high-profile person. Um, although we have seen recently that, you know, sometimes that that is valid um i don't think it, it is that unusual for a high profile male celebrity to have 
complaints made against them. Uh, and it's important to note as well that no charges were laid in relation to any of these complaints. So who knew, you know, we don't, we, had, we don't know the strength of that evidence. I want to read, though, what the court actually concluded on in relation to this case. So um, in assessing whether or not uh, Barry Moore was was uh, arrested in a, a legally sufficient manner, there was a procedural error that the police did not follow in that the arresting officer who actually arrested Barrymore was not briefed about all of the allegations before they conducted the arrest. So that they were in the wrong in that, that procedural capacity. However, um, the court found that the police overall had sufficient grounds to make that arrest. And I just want to read what the court said. I accept without hesitation that the circumstances surrounding Mr. Lubbock's death were suggestive of foul play. It was possible that he died of a drug intoxication alone, or that drug intoxication had caused him to fall into the pool and die, and it was impossible to ignore the anal injuries. Dr. Carey's categoric opinion was that there was no possible accidental or benign explanation for them. They were, on the evidence, likely to have been caused by a blunt instrument that had not been found, though infliction by an erect penis could not be absolutely excluded. In light of Dr. Carey's evidence, no other realistic possibility existed. Mr. Lubbock was straight. If, therefore, the injuries had been inflicted by an erect penis, it was unlikely to have been in the course of consensual sexual activity, even with the level of intoxication that was present. Therefore, if the injuries had been caused by an erect penis, they would be strongly suggestive of a violent sexual assault amounting to rape. If, on the other hand, the injuries were inflicted by the insertion of a blunt instrument into the anus, it would still be necessary to consider the possibility that the insertion of the blunt instrument was accidental. On Dr. Carey's evidence, that possibility should be excluded. So, fairly conclusively saying that this death is suspicious and the existence of these type of anal injuries make it indicative of some sort of foul play involved, which I thought was pretty damn damning. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely doesn't seem like this could have been any kind of accidental sexual injury, you know, and it's, it also seems, as she said, it's, it's very unlikely it even came from a penis. So, you know, it's, it's definitely very suggestive that something, you know, something sharp and was inserted inside him and, you know, it was carried out in quite a violent and erratic manner. Again, there are lots of potential explanations for this death and not all of them involve maliciousness and certainly many of them could have nothing to do with Michael Barrymore. Um, there, is, there is maybe a bit of undue focus on Michael Barrymore. There were a lot of other people at that party um, who, you know, we don't know as much detail about because they're not celebrities and so um, their stories aren't often focused on. Barrymore... Um, has made statements about the case on occasion. In particular, he went on um, Pier, Piers Morgan. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Piers Morgan's Life Stories, where he made a number of statements that seemed to indicate that he was particularly saddened by this event. He said, It was at my house, and they don't have all the answers to how he got those injuries. Of course, it goes through my head, and I want things different. I wish I could change it for them. I fucked up. What more do you want? I fucked up. 
I was responsible for allowing people to come back to my house and to go out to the pool. All of them were, there were no children. Stuart was 31. You assume they were capable of looking after themselves. So he has expressed, you know, some remorse or some regret in relation to, to this. With a hint of victim blaming. But... Potentially, potentially. I mean, yeah, if, if the scenario is that, you know, I don't want to view it as victim blaming, but uh, if somebody has taken a shitload of drugs and then they've gotten into a pool, it's accidental. Um, and there was a risk involved in getting into the pool whilst very fucked up. Although, again, there's... The, the thing that makes that that the big question mark of the entirety of this case is the injuries. On the 4th of February uh, this year, uh, Essex police announced that they were reopening the investigation in full and they were offering £20,000 as a reward for information leading to a conviction. It's worth noting as well, his dad has always been a huge, like he's been fighting this for like nearly 20 years. His dad, you know, you can see how much it's taken out of him. It's quite quite disheartening i heard a horrible thing um his dad only had uh kind of physical copies of the photos of his son um but because he was desperate for people to find out answers he'd actually given away nearly all of his physical photos um to journalists and media and all that sort of stuff so he didn't even have many photos left just a sad very ambiguous very tragic um set of circumstances Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. Sam doesn't believe in social media, so you can't follow him on anything. But if you want to pass on a message, feel free to DM me. Also, as of today, we should have our Instagram up and running. I believe it is at Sinister underscore Sissies. Hopefully, if you can find that there, uh, follow us on that for all my nudes. Uh, until next time, stay sinister.